For those that have dreamed about starting a business, doing a startup from your dorm room in college, you're going to want to listen in on our guest today. I get to talk to three guys. They're in their apartments or dorm rooms. One of them's just out of college. The other two are still there. And we're going to talk about a cool app that they have started. And this business is looking really, really good and promising. So join us for the episode today to hear the rest of the story. Welcome to Seek Go Create. We redefine success in leadership, business, and ministry by sharing topic stories and conversation that allow us to rethink how we live, work, and lead. This is your host, Tim Winders. I'm a performance coach and author who specialize, specializes in helping executive teams and entrepreneurial leaders maximize their potential. Before we get to our guest, I'm going to ask you to let us hear from you. Go to seekgocreate.com and give us your email address, your best email address, right up at the top of the website there, so that we can connect and learn from each other. We want to hear from you. We'll make sure you never miss an episode, and we will often give away bonuses and merchandise to our listeners. Make sure you're part of the community. We'll give more information about that at the end of the recording. Today we have the startup business team from the Savvy Dating app as our guest. And as you can see, for those that are visually seeing this, maybe on Facebook, if you're listening in, you can't see this. I actually have three guys that are with me. I've got Brendan Kinney. He's the co-founder and CEO. He's a finance major at Villanova School of Business. I have Fernando Delgado, he's a co-founder, COO, and has a bachelor's degree from Villanova University, and Jack McGinnis is the CTO, and he is finishing his degree in computer science at Georgia Tech. Guys, welcome to Seek, Go, Create. Good morning. Thank you for having us. Excellent. I'm always excited. Uh, Nothing against Villanova, always excited to have a Georgia Tech guy on the podcast so thanks for representing jack before i do anything those that listen know this is the thing that i love to do i like to really give an elevator ask for an elevator pitch or what you do but with you i want one of y'all to say what is the savvy dating app who's the spokesperson and who can give us the quick pitch of what you guys are yes so i can give you the quick synopsis so Savvy is the world's first live mobile dating game. Um, it goes live every night from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern time across the entire United States. Games of one woman and four men are put together, and the girl asks three rounds of questions. The guys have 30 seconds to respond, and she eliminates one man per round in a March Madness bracket style. And then at the end, the last man standing matches with the girl and they can then see each other's pictures, bios, and talk in their own private chat box. And the whole deal is at the end, that chat box expires in 24 hours, which encourages actually meeting in real life and exchanging phone numbers before that happens. Wow, okay, so, all right. First of all, I have to kind of give disclaimer. I've been married over 31 years, so dating apps, I'm I'm outside of my league. I love talking startup and business here, but the actual application is going to be a little bit tough. So, um, 
So uh, let me let me um, let me jump up over to Fernando, and I want to ask this question of the the um, the COO: Does the world really need another dating app? Yeah, so um, that's a question we get often. We we've entered a market that's pretty saturated, right? But there's not very uh, different apps among each other. All are pretty much the same iterations of each other, swiping left and right, pictures alone, trying to find somebody only on looks rather than just personality. So I'd like to say that we entered a market that's very saturated, but we significantly significantly distanced ourselves from the competition by being a personality-based matchmaking service. So although we are a dating app and our competitors are the big boys of Tinders and Bumbles, um, we definitely are being a staple in the dating game and will be changing it for, for the time to come because it's a personality-based matchmaking service. Yeah, good. And, and, and listen, I've, I have, I have people that are in that dating genre, we'll call it, that probably makes mm -hmm. me sound kind of oldish, but anyway, that are in the dating world that have spoken about how many, how, how many challenges there are just being in that arena. And uh, listen, I'm a pre, uh, again, dating myself, pre-internet, you know, we used to pick up the old phone not rotary dial it. We did have touchstone, you know, touch dials and, mm -hmm. uh, and pick up the phone and call. And listen, I know that there's a different world out there. And so I think it's really cool. Here's the thing. I want to say this right up front to kind of bridge maybe the generations with the person listening and the person that's really intrigued by this whole thing. To me, when I went and looked at what you guys were doing, you are using new technology to bring an old school, what I'll call dating game mindset. I mean, there's some nostalgia involved with this, right? Who can talk to the nostalgia that you guys bring to the table here? Well, it's actually funny you brought that up because when we initially came up with the idea and told our parents about it, the first thing that they told us is that it reminded them exactly of the dating game. So um, that, the TV show itself, 70s, 80s TV show, that inspired a lot of the planning in the beginning in, in terms of the whole layout of the game, the three rounds of questions, the blind aspect, not being able to see the pictures until the end. So the whole idea was to kind of create that game show vibe, but with modern technology, like you said. Um, a lot of people have described it as similar to HQ. So we kind of took HQ and expanded it into more of the dating field. Yeah, in fact, uh, uh, this is really interesting. I think my daughter, who is my assistant, also my, my um, she kind of runs operations, she stumbled across you guys somewhere. And, and her comment to me was, he goes, man, you're, you're gonna love what these guys are doing. They've got some Georgia Tech people on the team. And so I went and watched a video she sent me and here's the funny thing about it is that y'all know how YouTube has these algorithms where they learn all about you. All right, so this is where you guys are bridging, I think, a really big gap. I watched the video that was a little bit of history, and I'm going to ask history and y'all's current status and all shortly. But over on the sidebar on YouTube, it says you might also want to watch, and it had a classic uh, version of the dating game, like a clip from the dating game with Steve Martin on it from 1968. 
So I'm watching savvy dating app, kind of like y'all's history over the last couple of years. Y'all are talking about some struggles and victories. And then all of a sudden it's telling me that next I should watch Steve Martin on the, the dating, the dating game. So, so anyway, so I, I, I love that kind of stuff. That is, that is brilliant. So, um, so Jack, let me jump to you. I want the Georgia tech guy to be able to say something here. When we get into some later things with some of the technical aspects, I'm sure you'll be more involved with it, but current status. Uh, you know, I, I know that there's a lot of things under the hood with these type businesses, apps, tech, things like that. But without getting too far into the weeds, technically speaking, current status, what is the app? Is, is it available to everyone? Can the whole world get to it? Is it, are y'all in beta? What's going on with it? Yeah, sure. So we actually officially launched towards the end of August. Um, so it is live. It's currently Apple only. So if you have an iPhone, you're able to play. Um, you can download it directly from the Apple App Store. In terms of current status from a user standpoint, um, we're currently headed towards that 10,000 download mark, which is a big milestone for us and something that we kind of set as a tangible goal. Um, and then just talking about the internals, um, we're quickly working on scaling up. Uh, we had a couple, a little bit of a networking effect right after launch that I don't think any of us were really anticipating to happen right off the bat. Um, and so constantly um, fixing bugs, improving stability, stuff like that is kind of our main focus right now as we do stride towards that, that uh, 10,000 mark. Yeah, and I also want to say, I think I jumped on the App Store last night. I, I don't think you guys want me in the platform. Um, <laughs> I don't want to mess it up or anything like that, but I was going to download and play around and all. I said, you know, let me just kind of look around, snoop around here. I do notice you've got uh, high ratings from the current people that have downloaded. I think on the App Store over 100 plus uh, actual ratings and comments, reviews, which I think is fairly, I don't, I don't know, significant. What You know, how to measure those things is good, but that means there's a little traction there. So, so I think things are looking good. So that's current status. Before we go much further though, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to back up mm -hmm. and I want someone to go back to the beginning. And, and I want to tell everyone that right now, I think we've got uh, on the video screen for those seeing this on video on Facebook or watching the video when we post it on YouTube later, We've got uh, the four of us are in probably three different locations. So, uh, so Brendan, what part of the world are you in currently? I'm in Philly, so I, I currently go to Villanova. Currently at Villanova, so you're in Philadelphia. All right, uh, Fernando, how about you? Um, I'm back home in California for the time being, but definitely looking to head back, make my return back east sometime soon. <laughs> okay, and at the time we're doing this, there's fires and all going on. Can you actually see yeah. outside? <laughs> yeah, um, about an hour east is, is where it gets a little hectic and, and a little north. So, but right now we're, we're good. We did smell a little bit uh, a couple of days ago, but we're, we're breaking the, uh, the area where we're fine. Okay, very cool. And then Jack, I'm guessing you're down Atlanta? I am, I'm on campus right now. Um, so Midtown Atlanta. Okay, very good. And everyone's safe and doing well and still these odd times we're in. I'm in the RV just outside of Atlanta. 
visiting some family. We're about to be hitting the road, doing some travel. So just to give everybody a visual of where we all are. All right. What I would love now, and I don't know if this is Brendan or Fernando, because I know they've been around since the beginning. I would love to go back and get a little bit of history. What, what provoked you guys to start? Was there something that agitated you, irritated you, or just did you, somebody roll out of bed and say, hey, the world needs another dating app. So who can back up and give us some history on what's gone on with the, uh, with the app and the company? Yeah, I could, uh, I could touch on it um, initially. So, so where it all started was that we both went to Villanova, Brendan and I, um, and we noticed that at Villanova, it's pretty dry. There's not many fun things to do on the weekend. You're seeing the same people over and over again, the same couple, you know, college bars in, in uh, about 30 minutes west of Philadelphia. So you're not going to Philadelphia too often. And there wasn't really any kind of dating app scene on Villanova's campus. We did a we did a survey, and this is a couple months down the line after we kind of got the ball rolling um, at sororities and fraternities, and about 10% of them said that they did not use dating apps, but 95% of them did say that they would use Savvy, that, that they would 100% try Savvy. Um, so that's kind of where it started. We, we just wanted to use, a, you know, create something for Villanova's campus just to bring an inter entertainment factor, just because even though there's about 8,000 undergrad, you're still seeing the same people over and over again. This is, you know, there, there's not a lot of room for um, growth in, in the social scene, just because it's the same small campus over and over again, whether we were both on sports teams. So we saw the same people from our sports teams over and over again. A lot of the athletes uh, we were very you know friendly with, but we wanted to expand that. And then once we started seeing those numbers on the surveys of the sororities and fraternities, we started taking it uh, to other schools, you know, just seeing it, pitching it to friends and friends of friends and getting just honest feedback. Um, and that's where it really all kind of stemmed. It was really just initially meant to be for Villanova, just a small project. And then we noticed that it had some legs and we started taking it across the country. Um, I'm originally from the West Coast, so I started pitching it at USC, UCLA, San Diego State, uh, to a lot of friends out here, Arizona, TCU, Colorado. And we're like, oh my gosh, you know, we got to, we kind of have something on our hands here. So uh, definitely something that, that grew quickly on our minds. And then we kind of went into the uh, development phases of it. But the idea phase was, is, is pretty much like the hardest part, right? Because you got to make sure that conceptually it proves the concept just so you can take those next steps into development and then into the sales phase. Sure. So were the, were the surveys verbal? Did you guys like, like be very intentional about the data? Was it just like, it seems like this could work. I'm just, I'm curious. I'm kind of a data guy. I mean, I'm, I'm, right. I'm an, I'm an industrial and systems engineer from Georgia tech. So I like data, but then I also have this whole thing, you know what, let's just do it mindset also. So what, tell me more about the surveys. Was it just some verbal conversations or did you guys start gathering some, some real, you know, hard survey data? We actually pitched it. We went to sororities, fraternities and pitched it to them. And then told them to be blatantly honest with us because we obviously didn't want to waste money developing a concept that no one would use. And we just sent him an anonymous survey monkey afterward and said, please fill it out. Um, and we ended up getting a, a, a large percentage of each fraternity and sorority to respond. And like Fernando said, 10% said they used dating apps and 95% said that they would use savvy. So from there we knew, that we were going to expand the dating market beyond just usual dating app users to people that really just enjoy entertainment with the added benefit of potentially meeting somebody. Right, right. So, so, so that's good. So y'all used a combination of it. And I love just getting started pitching it. 
what, if anything, prepared, and I'll, I'll let Fernando and, and Brendan answer these questions early on, what, if anything, prepared you guys to do something like this? Were you entrepreneurial? Do you have business ownership in your families? Or, or did ignorance really help out? You just didn't know some of the things you're about to get into, which is okay too. So each one of you give a little bit of whatever to, to kind of prepare you for this. If anything, it could have been nothing. <laughs> yeah. Of course, um, I'll start off with that. So I come from, I, I didn't I didn't really pay attention. It's more of a subconscious thing, but I come from an entrepreneurial background. I got business ownership in my family, but the environment that I was in at my high school and university at Villanova was very, you know, get your degree and then get a full-time offer and work your way up the ladder. So although I came from a business owner, uh, business ownership family, I was more into the environment of the corporate lifestyle, right? And then it was just kind of, blissful ignorance. We stumbled across a great idea and here we are. <laughs> yeah. Good. How about you, Brendan? For me personally, I, I kind of had the opposite um, perspective. My whole family, my dad works at an investment bank. My um, brother works at Morgan Stanley. So my whole family kind of was, was bringing me up to do the same thing. Go to Villanova. My brother also went to Villanova take a job in New York at a bank or something like that. And I just personally, I feel like I've, I've never been cut out for something like that. Um, I kind of have always been doing my own thing since I was a kid. And I, I guess, I mean, what Fernando said is very true. We, we stumbled across something great, wanted to make it happen. And I just, I'm a big believer that you can learn anything you want to on the fly um, with the internet nowadays. So I wasn't really, really too afraid of starting something that I really knew nothing about building an app. I, I didn't know literally the first thing about developing it. Um, so I just hopped in and I mean, th that's just kind of the person that I am is I, I really believe like I'll, I'll persevere until the, until the end. And I knew we'll eventually get to the end. It took a little longer than we thought, but yeah, I'll say, it was not, it was not planned out the way it happened, but I knew eventually we would get there. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to ask you guys about some of the speed bumps or we'll call them, you know, concrete block walls along the way, because there's a reason not everyone does this stuff. There's a reason that everyone isn't their own boss or running a company or things like that. I did want to jump down to Jack, though. Jack, um, any uh, you and I had a brief conversation a while back, but um, any entrepreneurial or startup or anything in your lineage or family or or were you just kind of going along to kind of get a job in a, in a bigger operation? Um, so my family definitely does have a little bit of it. Um, but from a young age, I was very much like a quote unquote creator or like a tinkerer. I was always trying to make something. So I wouldn't necessarily have considered myself an entrepreneur because I was just um, like making things, but not really monetizing them, which I feel like is kind of one of the big parts of being an entrepreneur. Like I, um, all through high school, I produced music and then I would just give it out for free, which is like probably the worst thing you could do as an entrepreneur. But I was like learning how to create and learning how to expand, which is also like one of the reasons that I was really 
drawn to um, computer science is because it's one of the only industries really where you are able to sit down, do something, and then potentially have it touch a million people without you really ever spending a dime. Um, so that was kind of where uh, my mindset was. And then thankfully I was able to meet up with two people who are business minded and are like, maybe we shouldn't do everything for free. Um, and that's kind of where, that's kind of where I come from. <laughs> Well, and, and, and listen, one of the things I'm going to talk about, because I want to dig a little deeper in this, is that almost all successful ventures, you know, marriages, relationships, businesses, they, you know, you have to pull from strengths, you have to overcome weaknesses, you have to overcome those type things while you're building. And so it sounds like y'all are starting to find some pieces that fit together which is which is which is good and helpful and so one of the things and right before we clicked record brendan and i were talking a, a little bit about it but uh, one of the things that is interesting and i want to kind of highlight this y'all kind of said something that sounds familiar to some other companies that we have heard about we had an idea to start something just on our college campus and then after you kind of you know got proof of concept or whatever it's like hmm if it works at villanova it could work at georgia tech especially now that there are actually girls there jack by the way <laughs> um there was a time i know i hate to say this i actually looked at y'all's team and i saw y'all have a few other georgia tech people i'm going wow look at that um yeah i had to go to university of georgia to find my wife did marry beauty queen there but anyway. you're, you're not alone in that there's still that happening quite a bit <laughs> yeah but let me i do want to acknowledge there's some bright very attractive young ladies that are on that campus now so but you know we could we could talk about facebook facebook you know it was kind of like we wanted to start this in the dorm room and then all of a sudden bam some of those stories brendan this goes to back what we were talking about earlier some of those stories are good because they encourage us but some of those stories can also mess with our heads as far as you know the whole startup world you know start a business and you know a couple years down the road you've got I hate this term unicorn and you know you're worth a million or billion or whatever <clears throat> we're going to talk details about the journey because i think it's important but did you guys have any i'll use the term delusions of grandeur as you got this thing rolling thinking we're gonna be multi multi whatever or did you kind of keep keep a lid on things and say you know maybe this will work maybe it won't who can speak to that either brendan or fernando i could uh well since i graduated i could touch on it a little bit so all through my college career i was uh interning interning in the uh in the finance world that's you know where i was uh, i got full-time offers in the, in the finance world um and i was fully prepared to take one of those offers and when i told my dad that i was going to pursue savvy full time um with some side puzzles on the side and 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 where i was comfortable enough to reach out to mentors and my employers and professors and say hey you got to kind of see this out because you guys are winning startup competitions you guys are getting some traction here and there in the vc world um it was it was one of those things where like okay this could be like a full-time position this isn't just kind of like a school project we know we're, we were keeping the lid on things we were you know suffering in silence and the development process and, and just kind of, you know, creating something small here and there, hopefully, you know, crossing our fingers. But then as we started to grow as the, as the year kind of progressed, um, 
it was it, it started becoming okay this could be an actual full-time position this could be you know our company this could be a job this could be an incorporation you know this could be very very real so that's kind of my experience with it um it was always something like you know i was fully prepared to take a full-time offer i had savvy it was phenomenal it was i was learning a ton the learning experiences are bar none it was it, way more than i was learning sitting in a classroom um but it was definitely not until kind of i had to make that decision like okay this could be a full-time position but um obviously you know things uh things go the route they go and the learning experiences happen and uh and now we're here so it's been a it's been an exciting journey definitely yeah good how about you brendan i don't think we've had time to have those illusions of grand <laughs> things um, we've really been as focused as we really can be because like I said, every, every step of the way has been a new, a new process to tackle. Um, a new problem comes up, like Jack said, right now we're, we're running through as much, as many tests as possible, figuring out bugs, um, transitioning to a more stable server because like, like, um, Fern and Jack brought up our user base, we're almost at 10,000. Um, so we haven't, we've been pretty focused and not really thinking about those big picture things. We're just kind of putting one foot in front of the other and hopefully we eventually get there. But, um, I think we're staying pretty focused for the time being and have our plates full. Um, I think that's the way you got to do it too. Yeah, I agree. You got to keep your head down and because listen, these things start taking a life of their own, their own. And, you know, I'm sure you guys have heard, you know, do a business plan and you might as well put it on a napkin or a one pager because that plan is in all likelihood going to change drastically. I mean, with clients that I work with, we really work with no more than 90 day cycles. And in the world we are currently in, and I mean, right now as we're recording this in fall of 2020, I'm not even sure that a 90 day cycle is that valid. I mean, I've got clients that we did something in June of this year and we're about to have another, you know, session. We, we talk, uh, you know, every week and, you know, once a month, but we're, we're going to have to totally reevaluate because we, our entire market has changed. And so anyway, all right, with that, I want to go into, all right, so we got to the startup and the idea earlier. I want to I want to back up to hear some of the uh, the path along the way, because I know that there were some stops and starts. I know that there was some awesome and I know there was some ugly. And and we all know that there's even going to be that in the future. We're not saying that you guys are here and you've arrived. But at this point in time, someone back up for me and give we don't have to get super ugly we don't have to mention names you don't have to say joe came along and he tried to rip us off or any of that kind of stuff but but tell us about some of the ups and downs along the way who can address that yeah i would just say um for anyone that's trying to make an app or is in the app business um you really need to build your own team and it took us a little bit to figure that out so we initially outsourced the project because there's there's benefits cost wise to doing that um and it takes a little bit of the development um stresses off of you and puts it on a whole another company to deal with testing and everything so long story short it just didn't work out um it was too buggy um and ran over budget so 
we bounced around between four different development companies, some here in the States, some out in Europe. Um, but none of them were able to deliver a prod, a product that really was scalable, um, bug free for the most part and launchable. Um, and then at, at a certain point, we obviously realized that we need to build our own team because especially now that we brought Jack on, um, we've realized to an incredible degree, how much work it takes to actually fix just one bug. Like we'll sit with Jack and test for four hours. Um, and just literally doing everything we possibly can to break the app. And then once we find what breaks it, we keep going into like individual lines of code to figure out exactly where things are breaking down. Um, and we could not do that with an outsourced development company or just the app development company here in the States because they really care about just getting paid. Um, they don't really have an incentive in the long-term vision of the product. And that's really been the difference for us is finally when we brought on Jack about a year ago, built our own team. That was the turning point. From there, we, we got everything cleaned up, got the product to where it's launchable, scalable, and finally have our feet underneath us. But that was pretty much the, the gist of it is, is don't outsource, build your own team. So is it, was that about a year's worth of time that you guys went through uh, kind of doing it that way. Did y'all go through four outsourced companies in a year? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Yeah. So it's been about a two year process right now, um, from the moment we started until this point. And I mean, we knew after a few months, like four or five months with the first development team that we really ideally needed to build out our own team. We just didn't have anybody and we reached out to everybody we possibly could, but, CS majors are hard to find that are capable and willing to build an app, um, especially from scratch and um, take on a project this size. This is, this is like the first, I mean, HQ was the first live kind of question game, but we are, we are really the first of its kind in the dating space. And as you probably know, HQ went through a ton of problems. Um, they were guessing at how many people were going to be on each night. And if they didn't guess right, everyone had bugs and issues. The game just crashed. And we're dealing with, I mean, granted the technology is better now, but we're dealing with the same thing. So we tried our best to find um, people to help come on and, and help, help be part of the team. But I guess it was kind of a blessing in disguise because Jack probably wouldn't have been able to build it from scratch. And we finally got it to the point with a couple of development firms where he could finally hop on board and tweak it as opposed to building it from scratch. So it worked out in the end, but we just couldn't find our Jack. <laughs> yeah. So quick question. And before I, I jump over and, and let's talk about how one finds, I keep it, how one finds a Jack, but, mm -hmm. uh, all right. So, so during that time frame, you guys are spending some money. If you're outsourcing, I'm going to talk about your funding models and we're talking about what your profit, you know, your profit plan is here shortly. But was there ever a time along the way where one or both of you, Brendan or Fernando said, dang, this thing just isn't worth it. You know, we're, we're getting aggravated. We're going through outsourced companies. Nobody seems to be able to click and make it work we're you know we're trying to raise some money i'm going to ask where some of the money came from in a second but uh did anyone ever i'll ask it now but did anyone ever quit mentally 
and and it's kind of one of these things maybe one quit the other one didn't or were you guys saying no we're going to make this thing work you know regardless of what it takes i'm just curious about the mental state because i think people need to understand that during these startup type businesses so one of y'all talk to me about that um yeah so i'll, I'll touch on it a little bit you know we i don't think brendan and i ever had the the mentality to quit we knew conceptually we had something very very special um, and we were going to see it to the end, right? It was the last thing we were going to do. This thing was going to hit the app store and going to launch. And if whatever happened after that happened, we were, we're going to get this thing to market, uh, definitely. So it was never, it was definitely a roller coaster of emotions, right? Going up and down with development agencies, getting it really, really close, and then justifying a bunch of new problems that weren't fixable, you know, right away, right? Just it took more and more, and we never felt comfortable with the team that could really solve everything, right? We know not nothing's going to be perfect. Um, we know that, but it was never to uh, a place in the product where we could sell it on the market for a million people, right? It was always just kind of never, never even ready for you know ten thousand people until we really kind of built our own team out and we know the code base now. And Jack could touch on that a lot more. Um, and we know we know what's inside the app definitely because what Brendan and I, our biggest mistake was that we weren't CS majors. We we knew now we know a little bit of the technology, but we never knew what was really going on under the hood. Um, we would have conversations, but it was never something that we could say, okay, we had a lot, we had to put a lot of trust into other people. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's also this perception for those that don't code that that stuff is easy. You know, it's kind of, it's, I don't know about you guys. I mean, I, I have a little bit of technical uh, perspective. And so there's this thought that I have, I don't know if you guys had it too, that this stuff just kind of magically happens with people that put these pieces together. So it's just a dating app. It's just some questions. It's just a couple people getting together on an app. Come on, guys. So all of a sudden, we need to find someone like Jack. Jack, how did you come to connect with these guys? What was that story? Are you as brilliant as they are saying you are? I am by no means as brilliant as they are saying I am. Um, but the, the the story of how I met them is, uh, if this does end up blowing to up as many people as we think it will, this story will forever be told. Um, but essentially, I had a friend call me one day, just out of the blue, someone I hadn't talked to since high school. And he says, hey, I have this buddy. Um, they're building an app. They're looking for CS majors to help. Um, and one of the things when you're a CS major or you know how to code, you get pitched people's app ideas like all the time, because as you said, people think that coding is easy. So they have their million dollar idea and they just want you to build it for them real quick. Um, so I'm very familiar with the situation. I tell my friend, like, I'll never turn down a conversation, but I like don't really expect this to go anywhere. I was like, how'd you meet these guys? And he was like, oh yeah, well, I used to play Xbox with him uh, back in like 2007, 2008. And we just connected and stayed friends ever since. And I was like, so you've never even met this guy? And he's like, no, uh, we, we just play, we just play Xbox together. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay. You're, feel, um, so you're feeling good. You're feeling good already, right? You're like, this is gonna be I'm a feeling, winner. Yeah, I was like, this is it. This is what I wanna do for the rest of my life. Um, so I, I take the phone call the next day. Um, Brennan and Fern responded immediately. I take the phone call and they pitched me on Savvy. Um, at this point, it was about 50% built or so, I would say. The, the UI was there. Um, they sent me some samples and I was like, wow, this like, 
I don't know how this happened. I don't know why we got connected, but this is a fantastic product. And like, I want to jump in as quickly as possible. Wow. Okay. So, so when that happened, they've already mentioned they had gone through, you know, I think they said four outsourcing. There was a, probably a good bit of code there. One of them mentioned that it was probably good that there was something there, but sometimes it's better to give birth than to revive the dead. When you looked under the hood, and again, we, we don't have a lot of coders, uh, you know, that probably are listening. Maybe we do, I don't know. But, um, you know, without giving us, you know, all the gory details, what was it like stepping into something that it had, we'll say, four companies putting their hands inside this this uh this work that had been done and and then i guess to kind of follow that up how how do you start cleaning that up so let us know a little bit of that from that perspective because you're probably not the first one that's stepped into that definitely um so when you have four people come before you or four agencies come before you um as i'm sure you can assume there's quite a bit of patchwork that's going on um, each development agency is going to have their own design patterns, their own ways that they like to do things, their own thought processes. So when you pull a product out for them that's halfway done in one process and then you put it into someone else's hands, then they do the same thing. So take that, multiply it by four, and um, you kind of start to get the picture of what the code base is looking like, especially when it's now being handed to me um, and it's still not completely finished. So it was it's pretty ugly. Um, it was pretty ugly. And it's still something like when you're this far along in the product, it becomes kind of band-aiding it to get it to the finish line. Um, so you're like, okay, well, this isn't the best way to do things, but I can kind of hack this together so that it works. Um, so we really had to um, balance between a come to market strategy in the sense that how quickly can we turn this out in, in addition to how can we make sure that we're not just patching it together so that it works. Um, and that's something that we deal with every day. There's still technical debt in the project, which is um, the term for what you're talking about essentially is just built up um, bad practices. So we're still dealing with that. And basically we've kind of assumed this um, mentality that if you're working in a specific section of the code, uh, leave it better than you found it. It's like the old Boy Scout camping motto. Um, if I'm working on a function and that function isn't how I would have written it, um, let me take a second based on our design patterns and rearrange it so that it looks a little bit better. And so slowly through that process, we're starting to um, convert the code base into something that's much cleaner um, and not only works better, but also is a lot easier for our other the rest of our development team to understand. Yeah, that's... That's good, and um, I love that term you use. That debt, I think, is is something that it just bogs you down. It's not good, mm -hmm. and that kind of leads into uh, a conversation that I, I I love to have. Some people don't like talking money. I like to talk about money, and so what I would love for you guys to do is talk. I, I, I guess I'd like to hear two items related to um, to the the money piece. Number one is what is your funding models? What are you guys thinking? Because there, there could be people that are listening that may want to participate. I actually participate in some, some businesses like this at times. 
And then I'm also going to follow that up with asking the, uh, the magic question, which is, what is the plan for profitability? What is the plan for monetizing? So who can talk? Who, is there a finance person on the call? I think there might be some finance people here. <laughs> um, who can talk about what you guys are doing to raise funding? Maybe some things you've done in the past, what you're doing now, what you're looking to do in the future. Yeah, so right now we're currently self-funding it. Um, keeping costs really low as much as we possibly can. Um, but we're talking to anyone and everyone that we can. So we've, we've reached out to VCs, um, angels. Um, it's honestly tough to get responses from cold emails. So it's a lot of reaching out and never hearing back. Um, we've had about five or six conversations this far in the span of like the last um, six months or so. Haven't officially led to any finalized deal or anything, but... Um, each one has been very different in terms of like what they, what they want. Some want user-based numbers, some want um, revenue. And right now with being a freemium model, we haven't released our pro version. So um, the whole revenue stream is based on a subscription model similar to Tinder or Bumble or the, the usual um, big boys in the dating space. So that's how we're going to make the bulk of our money. Um, some kind of interesting ways are product placement questions. So um, a lot of people didn't know this, but HQ made their money from kind of sneaking in advertisements into the questions. So um, one of the answers would be Colgate for some toothpaste question. And that would be how they would kind of make some of the revenue. Um, so that's something that we can do too with our app. Granted, it's going to be a little different, but um, that's an option as well. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the monetization strategy. We probably won't release that until we hit the 200,000 user mark. Um, but right now, like I said, self-funding it, trying to get to that that mark um, as much as we can on our own. And um, I think if, if we raise money right now, it would be accelerating our plan. Like we have a plan to get there right now, but if we raised money, we would probably all sleep better at night and we would, um, have that safety net and be able to kind of be more creative with our marketing strategies, um, really take our development up a notch in terms of getting everyone the best technology available, getting everyone phones to test. I know some people on our team don't even have phones to test right now. So it would just kind of accelerate our growth yeah. right now. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, here's the deal. I mean, I've, I've got, I've also got a ministry background and money can be a blessing and a curse at the same time. And in the mode you guys are in, I think I connected y'all with a buddy of mine, Jim Cook, who's Silicon Valley veteran and was around when Netflix started and all. And he and I have these long conversations about how in many ways the VC model is really, really tough. You know, it's kind of the popular, but I love the fact that you guys are, I use the term bootstrapping. Y'all use self-funding. It's more of a financial term. Bootstrapping is kind of what I do because it gives you more flexibility and control. And, you know, it might limit you like, you know, you could find that it could limit, you know, advertising and things like that. But my guess, the nature of what you guys are doing is going to be viral and referral based in, in marketing anyway, correct? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, it's funny you say that we have a referral program that we're implementing in a matter of days. So 
that's going to be, it literally says coming soon in the app right now. Um, but yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what we're hoping is let's keep our costs low, hold on to as much of the company as possible. Um, and build it ourselves. We've, we've talked to a lot of people and the net net is you have to be really careful with who you raise your first round with, because that's who you're getting married to. And they're going to be with you for the life cycle of your product, which hopefully is a long time for us. Um, so um, everyone we've talked to has been awesome. They've offered great advice. Um, but like I said, it's really trying to find that perfect fit of like, not only just the money, but will they make a good strategic partner as well? Yeah, yeah, that's good because they could, you know, definitely people can bring things to the table that may not be on the team currently. So that's good. That was really interesting what you mentioned about HQ, kind of, I call it product placement. You know, it's the equivalent of like James Bond in a movie wearing, a, you know, a certain type watch or driving an Aston Martin. People say, oh, James Bond drives an Aston Martin. I say, yeah, that's that's got money behind it. Just know that for a fact. So. Anyway, all right, so, so while we're talking money and while we're talking about keeping costs low, I want to ask something that may or may not be fun to ask, but the culture of the startup world, and one of the things that's been really cool for me is I've interacted with the startup culture in the Atlanta area, Jack, where you are, in Austin, Seattle, in the Bay Area, and a few other areas, Denver and other areas, and I love the energy of that startup culture but there are there are a couple things that sometimes go with it that might be a challenge i guess the first thing i want to ask about is is there anyone on the team i'll ask it this way is there anyone that's being compensated for work they're doing on a day-to-day basis or are they in the hopes of something in the future happening with the company does that make sense how i ask that (laughs) yeah i mean everyone everyone right now is no one's being compensated we me and fernando are not going to be taking a salary for the probably the lifetime of the of the app um everyone on board right now is really bought into the long-term vision which like i said before that's been the difference is instead of having people working for a monthly payment um, development wise, we have everyone on board right now working for the long-term goal, which um, eventually is to obviously have millions of users um, build this thing out. And, and everyone right now is going to be the foundation of savvy, hopefully for the long-term. So to answer your question, no, no one's being compensated okay, right, right now. Good. So that, so that helps. So there, there are some portions of either ownership or, the mission that is set aside for that group. That's good. And I want to highlight what I love about the culture of startup, because to me, it, it helps my mind get wrapped around some things that we really are lacking in society. And that is a group of people that are focused on a mission and they're all working and leaning towards that one mission together. And, and listen, it takes an awesome mission, but it also takes communication, skill, talent, all those type things. So I think that's cool. The second piece of that, though, is interesting to me because generally I've seen uh, in, a, in a startup world, a group of people under one roof, they almost live together, hang out together 24-7 you know, they, even if there's a little bit of partying going on, they kind of party together, all of those things. 
And we're not in a face-to-face world today. We're virtual. Do any of you have some input into the culture that can be created to get that energy in a virtual space? Who can talk to that? Uh, either, either one or all of you. I'd like to maybe hear from all of you on that. Right. Um, so we do our best, right? We, we know that we're all over the country right now. Our whole team is, is not in one centralized location. So we do our best to, to bring a culture that we would bring to our athletic teams, for instance, since we're all athletes here, um, of being very comfortable with each other. And, and it's obviously it's hindered a little bit because of the virtual lifestyle that we're in right now. But I mean, we're sitting on Zooms for four or five hours a day, um, you know, twice or three times a day. So you get pretty comfortable with each other. Of course, we would love to be more comfortable with some of the other developers here and there. But nonetheless, we all have this like kind of centralized goal in the back of our heads that, you know, we're going to build this out, sustain for as long as possible at this rate, get some, you know, funding down the line, and then we'll all meet in a centralized location and have that, you know, culture that you talked about earlier that we're all living in, you know, in, in under, under one roof uh, and pretty much, you know, taking Savvy on wherever it goes together. Yeah, that's good. How about you, Jack? You're, you're, you were initially, I mean, these were two guys that were around each other and you were at a distance. Did, were y'all ever able to meet a lot face-to-face or have y'all always been disconnected like this, Jack? No, I've, I've, I've never met either of them um, in person to this date. Uh, hopefully that is something that is coming soon. Uh, but at this point, I probably know them as well as some of my closest friends, just because we literally are on Zoom, like Fern said, probably four or five hours a day. Um, sometimes even we don't even have anything to talk about and we're just all working quietly, but the Zoom is just up in the top right corner for no reason. Um, so we definitely spend a lot of virtual time together. Um, I think another really big um, motivating factor for me at least is constant progress in the Slack and on Zooms um, by other people. Um, It's not as enhanced as if I was in that real life setting and I woke up and saw Brendan or Fern sending emails or whatever it may be, but constant code check-ins coming in, people putting progress updates in Slack, like watching the product get built in real time, even if it is virtual, is what drives me to be like, oh, I could could iterate on this. I can sit down and work on this part to continue that improvement. Um, So using these, uh, the virtual tools as much as possible to recreate that culture. Yeah, that's good. And, and, you know, we are all learning everyone. There's like this big reset that's going on in the world right now. That's really taking generations and locations and, and, and putting us all in formats. Like we're right now, we're recording podcasts. We're also on video. We're on zoom. We're on Facebook live. So all of those things, uh, we, we have to use it. We don't really have a choice. I will say this, when you guys decide to do a get together, if y'all need any help facilitating or running it or whatever, I may show up. So let me know where and when, and, uh, <laughs> and I'll, I'll try to do that. That's kind of one of the things I love to do. So anyway, that, that's, um, I want to say right here, I've got some more questions as we start wrapping up, but I want to say how impressed I am with what you guys are doing. And, and I know there's not just guys involved with the team too, but uh, from looking around on the site, from seeing what you guys have put together, uh, from, from what I know you've overcome, I just want to applaud you and, and, and just say keep going and, and keep your heads down. And I appreciate the humility that I'm seeing here because many times you would see something like this 
and people can get all blown out of proportion with look how awesome we are. Let me tell you, y'all know it. Y'all been a long way. Y'all come a long way, but there's still a long way to go. So, so anyway, so having said that, I want to kind of do a quick round robin and I want to ask what are, what are some of the biggest strengths and weaknesses that you guys have identified right now currently so it's going to be kind of a quick you know strength weakness each one of you hit it and then uh, there's a few more things i'm going to ask before we wrap up because this is the self-awareness that we all must have personally and as an organization that uh that's important so who wants to start off i could go first i would say our our strength as a company is probably just never giving up until we finish what our task is um, whether it's finding a bug. Um, I mean, we've been on countless Zooms, like Jack said, and we literally will sit there for five to six hours to knock out one bug um, on a Saturday, the middle of the day. Um, any day, doesn't matter. We're working constantly, trying to improve it. Um, when I was little, I, I used to make those domino tracks around my house. And my mom used to tell me, like, whenever I accidentally knocked one down, I would just rebuild the entire thing and double it across the second half of the house. And that's the kind of the, the mindset I feel like we've all brought is things will go bad. We've proven that it's happened time and time again, but it's how you respond. And I feel like every time things have gone bad, we've always responded with doubling up the, the effort and then we eventually get it done. So I'd probably say just persevering is, is our number one asset right now. Okay. How about a weakness from you, Brendan? What's, what's something that you go, Hmm, I wish we were better at something. I think the biggest downside or weakness we have right now is that we don't know what we don't know. Um, this is the first time that any of us have built an app or a startup company. So we can do all the homework we, we want to do online. I'm talking to people, talking to as many experts as we possibly can, but ultimately we have to make the decisions for ourselves and we don't know the problems that we're going to run into just because we haven't done this before. So inexperience is, is not, I mean, there's benefits to it. You think outside the box, you're creative, but again, we've never done this before. So I think that's probably our biggest flaw right now. That's good. Jack, let me jump to you. Strengths, weaknesses, things that you see from your seat. Yeah, and I'll start with weaknesses because I think my point um, is very similar to Brendan's, which it's highlighted even more so in a technical aspect. Um, our entire development team is fairly young. We're all, I'm 21, and I think the oldest is 27 or so. So we're all very young and early in our technical careers. And when you are building something, you have the so many technologies and every day something new comes out. So when you come from maybe a more of a corporate background or more of a structured background, um, or you've built something like this before, it's very easy to pick and choose the technologies in an efficient manner and say like, we can utilize this from AWS and this from Google or whatever it may be. So we struggle sometimes to know what we're trying to do um, from a technology standpoint and picking what's gonna facilitate that best. Um, that does lead into one of our strengths, I will say, which is probably self-learning. Um, I think that one of the things our team is very good at is 
if we don't know something, we will sit down and I've never met developers who would read documentation like our team will read documentation like page 130 of Amazon Web Services for EC2 instances just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. So it's, it's all about like, we know that's our weakness. So how can we learn quick enough to um, build the product we want to? Yeah, that's good. Fernando? Yeah, I would say uh, one of our strengths is that is is that we are our market, right? We built really a community um, with our users that we don't know and we do know through our social media accounts, Twitter, Instagram, uh, whatever have you, that what these other big boys have, like Tinder and Bumble, they've really lost the college market. They've done a lot of things that they think that is creative to regain that. But there really hasn't been that sense of um, connection between you know a user base and a company um, that we've seen in a really long time. So what we aim to do is just transparency. Transparency with your team, transparency with your users is one of the most important things that we preach every single day. Uh, you know, when we have down days, we tweet about it and we post it on our Instagrams and we let people know, hey, thank you guys for being here for the, in the early stages. Um, this is, you know, what's going on. These are the updates to come. This is, you know, what we have. That's one of our biggest strengths, definitely, is that we have a product that's never been created before. It's very unique. It brings people together in a very entertaining way. Uh, it's not perfect by any means, but... From a community, from a um, from a user perspective, we connect with our users very well. We, you know, we we let them know we were we're on live, you know, Instagrams, you know, every week per se, and uh, and we're communicating with them. That's one of our biggest strengths. Our weaknesses is that I, I have to build off what Jack and Brendan said is that um, we're learning a ton on the fly every single day, but the experience factor does come into play. We don't know what we don't know. Um, from a marketing perspective specifically, we got to be very creative with COVID uh, going on on campuses, right? We're very college oriented at the moment because we believe that if we can win over the college market, we can win over any market. You know, they'll be our biggest critics. So we got to be very creative. Um, so we don't know who, what we don't know, but we're definitely learning on the fly as fast as possible. Yeah, that's good. All of you, what I love to hear going back to the humility that I mentioned earlier is that you are pretty much admitting that there's a lot of things that you don't know but the culture of learning boy that's that's strong so uh anyway that was all of that was excellent and from a coach standpoint let me just tell you that's impressive to hear i'd, I'd call you all out if i heard something i didn't like to hear too just so you know uh tell me about i want someone to tell me about i've got one more specific question before i have a few that we finish up with I noticed the um, the ambassadors or the reps that you guys had, and I just started looking at it, and it's kind of like the scroll just kept going on, and they all had these kind of witty one you know one sentence descriptions. I think I might have noticed some that had similar last names of some of you, so I don't know if y'all are pulling family in. Uh, I guess all those people are real. You know, it looked like it could have been a cool little thing going on there who can tell me what that is and how it fits in with the model this the savvy ambassadors or the reps i, I think is what they were called right the, the ambassadors um that was something we built really in the early stages brendan and i it was just we wanted to personalize everything so we wanted you know we're college students at, at the moment when we created it um i was at least and uh and we wanted to personalize the whole entire brand right we wanted 
students who believed in the product and wanted to bring it to their campus. But nonetheless, when people came to our website and saw the ambassadors that didn't know us, that were from different schools, we wanted them to be like comfortable, right? They wa wanted to personalize our reps so that they could realize, oh, this is a company that you know cares about their reps, and we and we 100% do. We have text group chats, we have a Facebook group chat with all our reps, uh, constantly update them. And and one of the coolest things now is that we get emails every other night from kids all over the country. Hey, I would love to bring Savvy to my school. Last night it was Eastern Carolina University. Uh, you know, the night before it was Notre Dame. It, 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 it's been it's been all over, which is one of the coolest things. But that's really kind of where it stemmed from. If we could. So, uh, you know, build a little bit of an army uh, around the country and bring, you know, have these little dots all over and have Savvy, you know, started it, we could take over, you know, the country as well as, you know, our centralized locations that we picked um, pretty quickly. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. Yeah, go ahead. You did see our sisters on there too. They, my sister. <laughs> I was going, man, those names look familiar. So anyway, are they willing participants or are they, are they, you dragging them along? I mean, you got, you got a lot of family involved with what you're going on. Obviously you've got sisters on there. So uh, who can speak to, I mean, it's family helping you guys out with some of this? My family has been awesome. Like super supportive of everything. Um, my sister has been crushing the marketing at Wake. Um, we, we actually do scan codes on postcards and send them to all of our reps at schools. And they're at like 300 downloads or scans so far. So we can track all that and, and they're doing a great job. My brother's super helpful with um, finance stuff, um, building out the, the model, the um, financial models and everything. So yeah, my family has been super helpful with everything. I was just gonna say, my sister didn't even tell me that she applied. That was my only, <laughs> she knew I didn't, she knew I didn't review the application. So she just sent one and didn't even tell me. Um, and Fern texted me, he's like, is this your sister? And I was like, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I saw. I said, man, those names look familiar. Well, it is cool because you do, uh, you know, the, the story. I think Jack brought up the story earlier. The story to me, I mean, you know, you hear story brand and all these, uh, you know, the, the, the hero's journey and things like that. The story really does begin taking a life of its own. And as, you know, as you get through all the technical things and all that, the story is really what allows these type projects to really go. So that's why I like to kind of dig with some of the story. So gosh, you know, I, I had a wrap up question, but there was one other thing that I wanted to kind of get to. And that was the thought process for making it more, I, I think I'll use the term female friendly. Okay. Because if I understand the game correctly, that females are basically the ones that are asking the questions or the ones that are going through the speed round of three males. And so it's going to take a lot more males than females. Am I right in that? Or who can explain a little bit of the nature of the game and the philosophy behind it? Yeah. So the original um, concept that we came up with was um, three guys, one, one girl. And eventually we realized that like, that's not enough rounds to make it feel exciting. And we also looked at the data and saw that the majority of dating app users are guys. And of that percentage of guys, they use dating apps um, twice as often as women. So that's kind of how we came up with the four to one ratio. 
um, that is still a problem. Like that is, it's hard to market to colleges that are prim- like 50, 50 guys to girls and not run into the problems of girls having to wait for games every night. But that's something we're fixing um, coming soon with ladies night, which is basically the whole game in reverse. So hopefully that, that solves part of that growth problem and makes it a little closer to 50, 50, but that was our initial um, thinking was based off of that research that we did. Yeah, that's good. And, you know, you also can create this this anxiousness or excitement thinking that you might be close to it. I just had a, uh, you know, kind of like a counter thing pop into my mind that if you were one that was waiting for a game as you get more people into the system, sorry to throw more stuff at the tech guy down here. Sorry, Jack. But you know that it actually says your wait time for your game is 22 minutes. And y'all probably thought about that because I go, Ooh, 22 minutes. I'll get to play finally, as opposed to, uh, you know, waiting around. But I, I actually, I think some of the unintentional dynamics are going to be intriguing as we speak about the data you gather. And I do want to say this, I don't want to get off into the weeds as far as profit. To me, you guys are going to be able to gather some incredible data. You know, people aren't excited about some data that's being gathered in the world today. I, I love data as long as, you know, it's not used for the evil, whatever that some can use for. So I, I'm looking forward to talking a year or two from now and saying, okay, what kind of data are you guys getting on, you know, questions, responses, the type people involved, you know, and things like that. So I do encourage you guys, listen, I don't know if y'all are, you know, taken seriously dating or whatever, but get the dating app done before you get married. Cause I'm telling you, your wives are not going to be excited about y'all working on a dating. <laughs> Have y'all thought about that at all? I mean, come on. <laughs> a little young, a little young to think about that, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, very good. All right, so quick question to, to kind of start wrapping up. What are your biggest needs right now? What is the biggest need for Savvy Dating App? Is it users? Is it reps? Is it investors? What are the needs? Whoever wants to jump in and answer that. I would, I would say users right now. So that's, we're just pounding the marketing right now, trying to get to that 10K mark and feedback. So users equates to feedback and we're getting a lot of features in there, which is gonna help that. Because right now we're just trying to stabilize the app as much as possible, work out the bugs and iterate. So constant feedback with users, talking to as many players as possible and improving the service. So once we hit that 10K mark, we're able to just kind of pour gasoline on the fire. Okay, very good. And so, and and currently, if you were to define that user, so the listener who, you know, might be 48 years old, but married, but they may know people, how would people direct uh, possible users to you guys? And I guess this might be the question of how do people connect with you? Where do they go? Like if they had children or if they knew people that needed to connect with you guys? Yeah, so our Instagram at Savvy Dating Game is probably our best place. We're constantly um, talking to users. Whenever we get DMs, we read every single message we get. Um, so I direct them there. Also, our website, SavvyDatingGame.com, if people want to just get more information. Um, but yeah, and then also Savvy on the App Store too. So, um, but I'd say our, our our Instagram is definitely the the thing we check the most. Okay. 
Very good. You guys may have already answered this, but what's next? What is next for uh, savvy dating app? Maybe not, you know, hey, what's the code we're going to repair or anything like that. But I think I heard you say it, but I'm going to let you state it again here. What's next? Yeah, from a business perspective, we, we want that 10K download mark, um, which is not, you know, daily active users, but it's 10K downloads. We gave ourselves to Halloween, um, which is pretty quick nonetheless. And we're already, you know, 60% of the way there within two weeks of launching pretty much um, of getting some real, real marketing out there. Um, so we're pretty excited that we're going to hopefully hit that mark well before Halloween. And then it goes to our next goal, which is like 10K daily active users by Christmas time, December time, um, really. And then that is just when the networking effect really, really starts. When we hit 10K downloads, our referral programs in, uh, the networking effect, you know, organic growth, word of mouth is when it really hits. Uh, that's like the small goals, on, small goals on, a, uh, on a business perspective from a user base perspective. Excellent. Well, uh, man, I've enjoyed talking to you guys. This, is, this has been a lot of fun. The podcast is Seek, Go, Create. Let's do a real quick round robin. I like to ask which one of those words jumps out or resonates, seek, go, create. So uh, Jack, let's start with you and then we'll go Fernando and Brendan and we'll wrap up. Yeah, I have to say create. Um, it goes back to my first answer, which is just, I chose computer science because it's one of the only things where you can do just that. You can create with almost no money down and expand it to a million people. All right, very good. Yeah, and I'm, I'll go with go. Right now, we're, we're in the pit. We're, we're going, going, going. And uh, whether it be in from a tech perspective, on fixing the, the little minor bugs on, on servers and in the logic, or just from a marketing perspective specifically, on going on the campuses, getting our reps, you know, the content that they need to really build communities uh, within themselves. I would say go as well, but I, I like both. Uh, I like creating the content. I like getting it out there. But like Fernando said, right now we're just pounding the marketing. Um, I, I like just literally going out and handing postcards to random people on campus. Um, I think that's the probably one of the most fun things about it right now is the app is stable. We're launched. We have our feet underneath ourselves for once in a, in a long time. And we can finally just stand proud and hand people download cards and feel comfortable with them actually hopping on the app every night. So, yeah, I, I, I'd say go right now. Man, guys, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. I loved talking to all of you, and it was so fun having three or four of us just bouncing off each other, talking about business, business startup, all that you're doing. I am excited about just great things happening for you. For those that are listening, I'd love for you right now just to continue interacting with us. Go to seekgocreate.com and join our community. It's real simple. All you have to do is just go there, give us your best email address right at the banner up, up top of the page, and you'll be eligible for giveaways. You won't miss any of our content. We'll keep you up to date on all things that are going on with Seek Go Create. Also, stay connected with us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. We are Seek Go Create at all of those places. And I just appreciate you joining us today. I want to encourage you not to miss the next episode. We have a guy that I, I want to I say this in the proper tone. He spent 22 years in prison for murder and he's out he's got a business that's thriving he has 
he's out of prison, I guess is what I should have said. And we have a great conversation about some of the time he spent behind bars, kind of how he went down the path of being in a gang and actually pulling the trigger and taking someone else's life. And we have some in-depth conversation about it. You will not want to miss this conversation. So make sure you're subscribed and that you listen in on the next episode of Seek, Go, Create. Until then, enjoy your week.